0: good singing today. It was good rejoicing with you all and who our God is. We're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, 19 through 30. I'm going to pray before we get started. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for your word and your gospel and your truth. And I thank you, Lord, for this text today that we see uh, two men love Jesus, two men who are an example to us 2,000 years later, Lord, of what it looks like to look out for the interest of others, to live a Christ-like life. And Lord, I pray that you would stir in us today hearts and affections for Christ, that we might live for you. We love you, Jesus. Please be with me this morning. Be with the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth. May they not only be from you, but may they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's a lesson that the Apostle Paul teaches us throughout his ministry and in his letters, his epistles, that he never write out says, so it's not explicit, but it's a very implicit lesson that the Apostle Paul teaches us, a very implicit principle. And that principle is this, and it's the main idea of our sermon today, that your life and your ministry aren't meant to be done alone right? Your life and your ministry aren't meant to be done alone. That's our big idea for our sermon today. And it makes sense. We know that life isn't meant to be lived alone. As we go throughout our life, we're supposed to not simply be around people, but we're called to be with people. We're called to know people so that in Philippians 2.4, where it says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We actually know others. We know what their needs are. We know what their interests are. We know how we can come alongside of them. We're called to build deep relationships and friendships and partnerships. However, our culture is rapidly changing. And I don't think it's just this culture, although it manifests itself like this. we have Facebook or different social medias, right? And you might have 1,000 friends on Facebook, but in reality, out of those 1,000 people, the only person you actually talk to is your mother, right? And just because we know what people are having for dinner that night doesn't mean we actually know them. That, that's where we, we need to build real, deep relationships with people. But we struggle with that because we don't want people in on our mess, we don't want other people to see we're not all that in a bag of chips. We're messed up, right? We are weak people. Uh, and, and the church here is uh, not meant to be a place where we just, just, just can come and go and say, hey, I'm, I'm all good, and uh, you know, I'm going to worship God, and my life's just perfect. Like That's not what following Jesus is about. Jesus even said, take up your cross daily and follow after me. He said that it's not going to be easy, right? Wide is the path to destruction. Narrow is it towards Christ. It's hard to live for Jesus. It's hard to live this life. But we don't like letting people in on our hardships. We much rather would have a fake face or facade. You look at me and everything's good. We say, hey, how how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? That's our default response, right? When you see somebody, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? You You don't even think about it. You could be doing awful. You just say, I'm good. Well, like life, ministry isn't meant to be done alone either. You see, Paul demonstrates both with his life and his ministry that he always has other people with him he always has other people that he's investing in that are investing in him that are investing in the cause of christ just think about this paul always had other people with him doesn't matter that the last half of acts he's kind of you know the main character if you will Think about all the guys that he has with him. He has Barnabas, John Mark, Silas, Timothy, Titus, Epaphrodites, Aquila and Priscilla, Urbanus, Clement, Aristarchus, Justus, Demas, Luke, Onesimus. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And those are just the people that go with Paul or are traveling around with Paul. It doesn't include the people who are at a specific location like Philippi and decide to plant a church. We see in Paul's very first church that he's a pastor at, he's not the only pastor. He serves with Niger, Lucius, Manan, Barnabas. And then later on in Paul's ministry, as, as he's discipled Titus and he sends Titus to Crete and he says, uh, in Titus 1.5, he tells his disciple Titus, hey, make sure that you appoint elders, multiple elders in every town. Why? Why? Because Paul truly believed that you don't do ministry as Superman. You don't do ministry as the Lone Ranger. You do ministry with other people, just like you're called to do life with other people. And today, we actually see a great example of this. Uh, We see an example of two men that were doing ministry with Paul, despite the hardships. And we have to remember the context here. Paul's writing to the Philippians from jail. He's under house arrest. Right? He's in chains as he's writing this. And these men have served him and served the cause of Christ. So let's look at Philippians 2:19 through 30. This is the reading of God's word. It's more important than anything I'm going to have to say all day. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Friends, your life and ministry aren't meant to be done alone. You're not supposed to live your life by yourself. You're not supposed to do ministry by yourself. And up until this point in the book of Philippians, we see Paul, and he's mostly just interacting with with the Philippian church, right? Uh, you guys, me, you guys, me. He goes back and forth. But here, he calls two men into the picture. And, and it's interesting to think about the fact that Paul is riding in you know, a room, essentially. And Epaphroditus and Timothy are probably right there. And no doubt, Timothy and Epaphroditus will hear what Paul says about them. Paul's encouraging them just like these guys have encouraged Paul. Now, we're familiar uh, with Timothy a little bit and not so much Epaphroditus, we're gonna look at these two guys, okay? So first we're gonna look at Timothy because he's the first one listed. And Timothy doesn't let Paul do ministry alone. He doesn't let Paul live life alone. Who is this Timothy guy? Well, the first time that we see Timothy is in the book of Acts, right? And actually, his name's not even mentioned. It's in Acts 14. On Paul's first missionary journey, he goes with Barnabas. They're going to this city called uh, this area called Lystra and Derby. There's two cities. They're, they're kind of connected. And this is one of my favorite stories in the whole New Testament because Paul's preaching the gospel and the people get really, really angry at Paul, uh, the, the Jews in the synagogue. They drag Paul out of the city. They grab stones and they stone Paul to death. They, they think he's dead. And Paul's lying on the ground dead and the church comes out to mourn Paul and he just gets up. <laughs> And goes back into the city. The Lord's not done with me yet. And I love that, that story of, of Paul going back into the city. But it's at that time that uh, it's chapter 14, verse 21, I believe, says, many people came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Many believed. That many is Timothy. So what happens is Paul and Barnabas, they go back. They want to go back out to the churches. They split. Paul takes Silas. The first area he goes to with Silas in chapter 16 is Lystra and Derby. And he comes across a young man named Timothy who has a great reputation. Timothy loves the Lord and loves the brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul says, this is a young man I want to invest in. This is a man I want to do ministry with. And so he says, I'm going to take Timothy He's going to become a missionary. I'm going to teach him how to serve Christ. He's just a young man. And so he joins up with Paul essentially for seminary. Seminary Seminaries where pastors get trained to study God's word and do ministry. That's, That's his seminary. That's Acts 16. The first part. Do you know the second part of Acts 16? Like the very next thing that happens in Acts 16? They go to Philippi. This is the Philippian church. Timothy's first semester of seminary is spent at Philippi establishing a church. Pretty cool. So Timothy means a lot to Paul. Paul calls him his son in the faith. But he means a lot to the Philippians as well. Like he's one of the founding pastors, if you will, of this church, even though he was just a young man. Now, we know lots of other things about Timothy. Timothy was a normal guy. Uh, I'm a normal guy. I struggle with stomach issues. I know others of you struggle with stomach issues, right? Yep, struggle with stomach issues. Timothy struggled with stomach issues. Timothy was known as as perhaps a little bit timid. Sometimes he'd be bold, sometimes, "Eh, I don't know. Timothy was part Greek and part Jewish. His dad was Greek, his mom was Jewish. We know about Timothy. He, he goes with the Apostle Paul and he helps plant churches all across the Greek world. In fact, um, our book of Philipp, uh, to the Philippians right here, the verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, Paul does that with a lot of epistles, a lot of letters that he writes to churches. Timothy's a co-signer, a co-author. Timothy eventually goes to Ephesus and he becomes the pastor at the church of Ephesus and he receives what we believe is the very last letter of Paul in the Bible, 2 Timothy. Timothy's an important guy. Now, who who is this Epaphroditus? That's how you say his name, Epaphroditus, right? So uh, who's this guy? We don't see Epaphroditus anywhere else in Scripture other than Philippians, 25 through 30, and 418. We don't know much about him. What we do know is this, Epaphroditus meant favorite of Aphrodite. He's a Greek. Aphrodite is the Greek goddess of love. And at this time, Epaphroditus is a very common Greek name. It'd be like a, in our church, a Brandon or a Zach. We have like too many of those, right? Um, and, and that's, that's Epaphroditus, but what's he doing with Paul? He's from Philippi. He is sent by the Philippian church, who for years has been supporting Paul, supporting Timothy with money. But they hear that Paul's in chains. And so they send Epaphroditus with a love offering, with a, with a gift, with money, with no doubt some, some quilts that were sewn by you know Lydia and, and her compadres. So he, he brings it to Rome. And we learned that from Philippians 4.18. But the issue is Epaphroditus was there to minister to Paul. He doesn't get to minister to Paul. He falls deathly ill. He almost dies. But both of these men have a special place in Paul's heart. Paul calls Timothy's son, he calls Epaphroditus, brother. Not only that, but he calls him a messenger, a minister, a soldier, and a servant. Epaphroditus is a man who loves Jesus. Now, Paul writes about both of these guys because in context, what we've done, and I know chapter two's been hard. Thank you guys for sticking with us up here, okay? Because we had, you know, several weeks ago, a whole thing, I was at home and wasn't expecting that, and and then we had a guest speaker and all this, so we kind of have jumped around in chapter two. But the order of chapter two is this. Paul gives the command in one through four to do essentially what he said in 127. Live a life that's worthy of the gospel. And he kind of tells us how to do that, specifically with verse four. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Then what happens? Paul talks about Jesus. Jesus is the example and the foundation for our faith. Then Eddie, our missionary, two weeks ago spoke about 12 through 18. And there, it's the manifestation of how you're to live out the gospel, how you are to be like Jesus. And then what Paul is doing here in 19 through 30 is that he's specifically showing you it's possible. Here's two men that are living like Jesus, Timothy and Epaphroditus. There's not a lot of doctrine here, okay? So like last week when I was preaching about Jesus, this like heavy doctrine, not a lot of doctrine here. Some very practical implications for us. The practical implication for us is what? We're not to do life and we're not to do ministry by ourselves. And we see this with Timothy and Epaphroditus. So why does Paul commend Timothy? We'll take Timothy first. Let's look at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So he's writing about Timothy because in context, Paul's in chains. He can't go to Philippi. But he wants to send Timothy. How wonderful it is to have a guy who, who Paul's kind of just raised in the Christian faith, if you will, that he can send Timothy and it's as good as if Paul goes to Philippi. And he says, I, wanna, I want you to go to Philippi and I want you to then bring a report back to me. And he does all this because he wants Lord willing. Now, some people don't like when we say Lord willing, but don't we know hasn't 2020 taught us anything that Lord, Lord willing is, is, he's over all. And if he wills it, it's going to happen. If not, it's not going to happen. And uh, I can't tell you how many <laughs> ministry meetings I was in in 2019 and people would talk about, maybe we should do a sermon series like 2020 Vision or, you know, like uh, everything's just going to be great in 2020 and then 2020 wasn't great, right? <laughs> like, and we were lost. We had no idea what was going to go on. If the Lord wills. That's what Paul says, he's going to send Timothy. Paul does say that he has no one like him in verse 20. He says, for I have no one like him. And I think that's a genuine compliment. There's no one like Timothy. He, He knows the word. He protects the doctrine. He prays for you. He loves you. But it's not just there's no one like Timothy, but there's no one like Timothy for the church at Philippi. Remember, Timothy was there when they were planted. And so he knows the people. He knows Lydia. He knows the Philippian jailer. He knows the slave girl who's now probably married and has her own children. Timothy knows those people. He loves those people. He's been praying for those people. He's been supported by those people. He has genuine concern for them. And so what, what, what does that mean? Well, he compares and contrasts Timothy with those bad guys, those other guys. But, Look at verse twenty. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Who's Paul talking about? Who's the they? Well, do you remember back in chapter one, Paul writes them and he says, "Yeah, some people are preaching the gospel because they want to get me more like in more trouble and they want to make my time harder, but I don't really care because the gospel's going out." Remember that? That's in chapter one, and, and, and so then he says. Yeah, you know what? Those other guys, that's not like Timothy. Those other guys, they're not like Jesus. Timothy's like Jesus. Timothy cares deeply about you all, knows you all, loves Jesus, and wants you to know Jesus. So there's a comparing and contrasting going on. That's why he's commending Timothy. Paul has done ministry with Timothy. He's done life with Timothy. He knows Timothy, and the Philippians know Timothy. So, friends, this is a, Real tangible way that you and I can be like Jesus because just as Christ looked out for others, Timothy looked out for others. Da-da-da-da. Guess what, friends? We can be like Jesus because he looked out for the interests of others. So, who do you have in your life? What are their needs? What are, what are opportunities where you can serve? Um, two weeks ago, Brandon and I were, had an opportunity to be, to be a part of a Old Man's Bible Study. We actually were meeting like right here. And uh, these old men, they're not a part of our church, um, but they're just kind of traveling around to different places. I knew one of the guys and he said, hey, can we meet at your church? Sure. So I I gave the devotion for him and we were just getting to know him. And one of the guys was a retired police officer. He'd been in the force way too long. He had a whole bunch of stuff in his back. Um, He was a, a, a bomb squad guy. Um, high octane, but he said, you know, I learned something in my police career that really just translates well, translates well to who I am as a Christian. I learned to listen. You see, you, police officers, when they're going under investigations and doing all that, they, they ask people questions, and they hear what people are saying, and they try to connect the dots. As Christians." as believers, as people who are Jesus people and we want to be like Jesus and we want to do life and ministry with others, we can listen. Is that so profound? No. Do we do it well? Some of us don't. Some of us need to zip the lip and open up our ears, right? Think about listening the next time you're with another brother or sister in Christ. How can you serve them? We give off clues all the time, but do we ever take people up on those clues? Not often, I know at least not for me. So a great example of Timothy is that he was concerned for the Philippians, he was concerned for Jesus, and we wanna be like that as well. Why does Paul then say, well, I'm gonna send Timothy as soon as I know what's going on, he says that later on. Well, he says that because, again, people, Paul's in chains. He says back in 121, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul doesn't know that he's going to live. So he says, I would send Timothy with the letter, with Epaphroditus, but I have this whole trial thing with Nero coming up. I may die. So if I die, Timothy will come and tell you. And even if I live, I'll have to get my affairs all settled here in Rome, and I'll send Timothy, and he'll, he'll let you know, right? This is very practical. Like, this is something that we would send in an email, or, or maybe not text all of this, because that's a big text. Some people have book texts. Not me, though. Um, but this is just Paul living and pointing out, hey, these are guys who love Jesus, and here are some plans of mine. Now, why does Paul come in to Epaphroditus? Well, he commends Epaphroditus because Epaphroditus was sent by the church to Paul to minister to him, and Paul is now sending Epaphroditus back to the church for a couple of reasons. One, he wrote this letter and has to be delivered. They don't have the post office back then. They don't have UPS. They don't have FedEx. They don't have email, right? So someone has to take the letter, and it's going to be Epaphroditus, um, Two, Paul gives some instructions to the church, and guess whose responsibility it would be to make sure that those instructions got carried out? Epaphroditus, okay? This is very practical stuff here. But he's also sending Epaphroditus back because the people heard that he grew ill and sick and almost died. They're wondering about him. Is he alive? We heard he's gonna die. Is is he there? He says, no, he's good. Also in the context, though, If you look at the very last verse, verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul's not condemning the Philippian church for not taking care of him. On the contrary, he's saying, you guys have done awesome. But in this hospitality culture, they're worried. We sent a guy who died on Paul. We made his burdens worse. Paul's not saying that. Paul said, no, no, no. Epaphroditus, he's my brother. He's a soldier for the cause of Christ. He's your messenger, and he has ministered to my needs well. Paul is commending Epaphroditus much like he commends Timothy for what he has done. Okay? We've learned about the guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. We understand why Paul writes about them so what? Can I pause right here? Okay. Whenever you read the Bible, you need to be asking this so what question because sometimes you read sections of the Bible about Jesus and you're like, whoa, this is so big and, and you can just put a bunch of knowledge in your head. And then sometimes you read sections like 19 through 30, which is God-breathed. Uh, Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. It's handed down to us, but you read it and you're like, what do I do with this? I don't really know. And so we have a tendency to just kind of brush these off. Eh, it's not very important, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And then with these other things, we are just stuff in our head. Whether we have a bunch of doctrine or no doctrine in a passage, we are called to ask the question, so what? God wants us to have this. Why? Well, one, I truly believe is that we need to get it through our thick skulls that life and ministry isn't meant to be done alone. So, how do they encourage us to change? How do they encourage us to be different, to know something? Well, one thing that we learned from Timothy and Epaphroditus is that we need other believers in our lives to help us in our times of weakness. We need other believers. Friends, being the pastor of this church, I look around and I see a bunch of faces. About a year and two months ago, I knew almost none of you. Over this year, I've gotten to know most of you. And in every single circumstance, I could tell you a prayer request for that family. Some of you are like, I don't know if I've ever given a prayer request to Chase. Believe me, I've observed you, you all have prayer requests. (laughs) Friends, we have people in our church who have wayward children. We have marriages in shambles we have people who have sicknesses diseases cancers Um, we have families that have all sorts of issues we come here we we sit and gather in the 4681 zip code it's a wealthy zip code we have all that we need right we We worship the Lord. We sing praises to him. We read the Bible. We know stuff. We stuff in our brains and we leave. Friends, to be a gospel community, we need to know one another. We can't just come in and and just say, hey, everything's dandy. As your pastor, it's a privileged position to be able to pray for you, to try to encourage you, to share God's word with you, to point your eyes towards Jesus but it's not supposed to just be on my shoulders or Brandon's shoulders or Stan and Daniel's or the deacons. Friends, as a church, we need each other. As a church, we need to encourage one another. And that's scary. Because in my times of weakness, I don't know about you, in my times of weakness, I don't really want anybody in my life. I don't want anybody speaking truth to me. I don't want anyone to see me in my lowest state. But God designed us to need others. And in a real intangible way, you and I are called to fulfill that need. Because Jesus is alive, but he's in heaven right now. One day he will return to earth But while Jesus is not walking on this earth, his church, his body, his bride is walking on this earth. And we are called to be there for one another and our weaknesses to encourage one another. Now, I don't know a single person who couldn't use a Timothy or a Epaphroditus in their life. I don't know a single person who couldn't just say, man, I don't need encouragement. We all need encouragement. You might be like, wow, Chase is preaching some deep truths today. It's not deep. So why don't we do it? It's so easy to encourage one another. Well, then again, no, it's not. You see, there's a difference between encouragement and flattery. Flattery, you can flatter anybody. You don't have to really know them. I like your shirt. I like your shoes. I like your hat. Go IU, go Purdue. Like you know, I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. You know, you have cute kids. Thank you. They're awful. You know, like, <laughs> like all that stuff. We can flatter anybody. There's a difference between flattery and encouragement. That difference, I really truly believe, is in Philippians two four. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Building those deep relationships. Paul, by no accident, points us to Jesus, tells us how to live for Jesus, and then points us to two guys who are living for Jesus, who are carrying this out. I'm really thankful to the Lord that it's not hard to to say, okay, I can encourage somebody. It's not very hard to send a text message, an email. It's not very hard to sit down for coffee, but what, we, what is hard is getting to know people. What is hard is being there when they're a mess. What is hard is being there for people who aren't like you, and the, and the real fact is none of us in this room are exactly like one another, but some of us get along well with one another. Some of us just click. Some of us have the same interest. Some of us have the same attitude, outlook on life, and we just Man, we can just click and it's easy. And you know, I'm more of a sports guy. I love music, but I'm not musically talented whatsoever. The biggest joke in my life is I won the choir award my senior year of high school. I'm awful at music. And uh, for those of you who know the rest of that story, it's funny because I, I beat my, one of my very good friends who is actually deaf in one ear, right? There's only two senior boys, I had to go to one of us and I beat the deaf guy, right? <laughs> And the sad part is, my friend Cody is a much better singer than me. (laughs) I'm a sports guy. Some of you have no idea about sports. Guess what? I'm called to know you and love you and be there for you. Even if we don't think about the same things, don't think in the same ways, we have Jesus. If you're in Christ, you have Jesus. Some of you are introverts. I'm not an introvert. My wife is. I've learned a lot over the last man. It's like nine years we we've known each other. Been married for seven. I I've learned a lot about introverts over that time. There's things that Kelsey will tell me, and I'm like, really? You think like that? (laughs) Like I would never have thought of those things. Some of you are extroverts. Man. You put a bunch of extroverts in one room and they're just like flying high and feeding off each other and just getting higher and higher and just all excited. Extroverts and introverts need each other. We really do. Friends, we need each other in times of weakness to encourage one another. Paul's in a time of weakness. He's under house arrest. Okay? He doesn't know if he's going to die or live. But two men... Timothy and Epaphroditus were there to encourage him in his weaknesses. What happens, though, is in our weakness, the Lord allows us to minister to others. Paul is in chains. Epaphroditus is there to minister to him, and he almost dies. Paul's able to minister to Epaphroditus. Friends, This is what Paul calls one another's. Even though he does not give a one another in Philippians, he does in so many other places. These one another's are a call to Christians, people who have believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that he lived a perfect life for them, died a death on the cross for their sins and rose again. Those of us who have placed our hope in Jesus, that he would save us, not because we're so good, but because Jesus is so good. That Jesus community is supposed to live with one another's. Timothy and Epaphroditus are a great example of that. Those one another's are to exhort and encourage one another, love one another, respect one another, bear with one another, uh, bear with each other's burdens, pray for one another. I could go on and on and on and on and on. If you want to look at some of those, we have Galatians 5.13, Galatians 6.2, Ephesians 4.2, Ephesians 4.25, Ephesians 4.32, Ephesians 4.32, Maybe just write down Ephesians 4 and just read that if you want to get some one another's. Colossians 3.9, Colossians 3.13, Colossians 3.16, Colossians 3. There's so many others I could list. But friends, the sum and total of it is this. We're not called to live life in and of our own strength by ourselves, And we're not called to live for Jesus doing ministry by ourselves. We're called to one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace to us, Lord, that while we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. And Lord Jesus, I do pray that you would allow a Boy Baptist Church to be a place where we are with one another. We are in each other's lives, that we know what each other has going on, not so we can gossip, not so we can um, just use it against others, but Lord, that we can genuinely love one another, that we can bear each other's burdens, that we can help each other in times of weakness and encourage one another. Lord, we need that. Young mothers need that. Grandmas and grandpas need that. Young people need that. Old people need that. Middle-aged people need that. We all need it, Lord, and I pray that you would be with us and help us in that endeavor. We love you, Jesus.